1: Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area.
2: There's much imagery within scriptures speaking about the sense of protection that God affords us, that we are sheltered underneath His wings, that we can find His bosom as a a refuge from the storms of life. And certainly, boy, literally, we're, we're facing storms of life in every every way and every manner of late here, uh, both uh, the storms of life that fall from heaven in the way of rain and just the day-to-day challenges of living. And so finding a home, finding a place that provides that sense of refuge from in and out of the storm, be it the literal storm or the storms of life, is critically important. And Refuge Church... Of Concord is providing just that kind of environment. Joining me right now is the senior pastor of Refuge Church, formerly known as Park Haven Community Church, Pastor Steve Wilhite. And Pastor Steve, great to have you with us.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Now, I'm curious in relationship to the name change, there's got to be some strategy behind that because, in my mind, it so aptly encapsulates. Really, the position that the church should be providing to not just the body of Christ but to those out there too that are seeking answers and trying to come in from out of the storm and 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 find that that safe place, that safe
3: haven yes that's it's very true we are we are definitely a refuge we We became a refuge if i may we became refuge, um, changed the name from Parkhaven because the community the demographic that we're in. Didn't really relate to what a Parkhaven was, even though we tell them the story of 70 years ago when this church was planted. That the community was called Parkhaven Estates, and so the name was adapted then. And we took the name of Parkhaven as, as part of the community. As the community has changed, the ethnic di- diversity of the community has changed. We sought a way and prayed for how we could better communicate who we are to our community by shortening a park haven, which a uh, haven, of course, is is a refuge and, and decided on that name refuge. <clears throat> um, we're a church that cares, and we do so by loving everybody, anybody and everybody that comes to our doors. And as you said earlier, the, the refuge for those caught in the storms of life and a place where hope is restored. Uh, we have such a, a great opportunity in the demographic that we minister to. Uh, We are the only evangelical church within a quarter mile radius and we serve well we have 32,000 people to serve in this demographic so
2: Tell me a bit about um, your involvement with the ministry just before we came on the air today you mentioned that um, you're coming up on your 15th anniversary as senior pastor there at Refuge Uh, how how did this all start for you? What drew you
3: in? Well 40-plus years ago, when I gave my life to Christ and confessed Him as my Lord, the very first thing the leadership did was say, we've got to go out to the highways, the byways, and what what, so it's what I've been doing for about 40 years is helping the needy and the poor. And what drew me into this church is my grandparents helped plant this church 70 years ago, so I was here as a little boy. And then on and off through the years, I'd, we'd, I'd done some church plants and a lot of music ministry in prisons and jails and and biker ministries and things like that, that kept us really involved with the needs of people who were just struggling with life, just the day-to-day struggles of life. And so we, we've we had this great opportunity. As I was drawn into it, when I became the pastor here 15 years ago, I so we've got to do something this was a church that was very it was a it's a great church i've been here all my life pretty much <clears throat> but it was a church that was very introverted and they weren't doing a lot out in the community and in outreach and i said we've got to change this instead of being partakers uh well we need to be partakers not just you know, people who just sit in a pew and and don't participate so so this is it's been a long journey and and we have I was drawn into it just by seeing the needs that we had in our community and the people that were coming in the door, um, just seeking seeking a place for for renewed hope.
2: Well, and so that, that that sense of engagement, which you know, when you yeah. really look at it, it is the high watermark of the first century church. And you and you just quoted the passage of scripture to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Sadly today, there's a growing number of churches that take a slightly different opinion, a different approach. They hang out a shingle and say, we'll build it and they shall come. (laughs) But but do they come? And if they come, do they stay very long? Do they find what they're looking for when they come? And I think that sense of community engagement and and not only boldly proclaiming the news of Christ— But also boldly demonstrating in a very practical fashion what that good news looks like with feet on, so to speak, Um, has been uh, very much part of the DNA of refuge in these years and, you know, everything from not just the ministry there and, and teaching both the Sunday morning worship service, but if you're also very engaged in a um, community pantry and, and outreach providing weekly food distributions, a number that undoubtedly since COVID has grown pretty significantly. And while some might say, you know, that's good news and bad news, mixed together, that there's that much of a need is the bad news. The good news is the capacity of this ministry to not only address those felt needs, but do so in a way that can reach out, touch hearts and lives, and and hopefully open that door and get that engagement going. Really, I I would imagine to some degree must be sort of the, uh, what should we call it, the the secret sauce of ministry (laughs) there at Refuge.
3: It is. It is the secret sauce. That's that's a great term. I'll, I'll have to use that. <laughs> but we we just want to follow scripture. What it, uh, scripture we follow? Scripture It tells us take care of the needy and the poor, the widow, and the fatherless. I mean, it's all throughout old and, and old and the new testament. And we're just we're just a, abiding in this in the scripture that tells us to help people. And and we're not worried about having one of those giant churches and. Uh, we definitely do offer uh, seeker-sensitive ministries, and, but we do, our main focus really is really to helping the people in this community. And, and through COVID, as you said, through COVID, the numbers have gone through the roof. We started our food pantry as a as just an outreach to the people in the church and a couple of people in our community. When COVID started, we were serving 75 families and as it, COVID got everything got worse. We grew and now serve uh, close to 200 families, about 180 families, which has equated over the since co- the the pandemic began in March 2020, we have served over 120,000 people, individuals groceries. Wow! Which about a little over five million pounds of groceries have gone on through our campus in this short amount of time. We never expected what we're getting in, in the need that we're seeing. Uh, it's, it's very great.
2: And, and this the sheer number of touches, I, I look at each yes. and every individual that comes to receive weekly, monthly, one time only, and their family members. Those are all opportunities to, to touch their lives. Um, some conversations may begin and end with just, thank you god bless you they go along their way but i would imagine that many of those conversations also turn into something deeper and richer and an opportunity to kind of get into uh, uh, the meat of scripture so to speak and and to be able to really you know address the questions why are you doing this which which i'm sure must be asked every now and then and if people that have physical needs meaning they're coming because they're hungry they're not able to, in today's economy especially, pay the rent, pay the medical bills, keep the PG&E bill paid, and put food on the table. Clearly, there are some needs there. And so for the opportunity presented by the church to meet not just the felt needs, but then to use that as a gateway to address some of the spiritual needs. I mean, boy, that in my mind, that is first century church, pure Christianity at work.
3: That's, that's what I was taught at the very beginning. Craig, I was handed a Bible, and the person who handed me the Bible said, go do this. Didn't know what that meant. I do now. And just to be able to meet those needs and have these opportunities, we we have taken great opportunity, great advantage of being able to speak to people. We put scripture verses in the bags every week, words of encouragement. We also pray. We've had a number of people come to Christ through this. And like I say, we're still a small church, but we had to start a Spanish ministry as well, and which we did last year. And that that ministry is growing, and so we are seeing definitely seeing some outcomes, some good results from ministering to people. Not only, like you said, the, the felt need, but the but the spiritual needs that are here. We have a predominantly with our Hispanic community. We have a predominantly Catholic. Uh, community, But we've seen a number. In fact, we baptized one young man on Sunday who came from the from the Catholic faith. And he's he's actually the guy who's serving in serving as uh, staff on, on the outside that I spoke of earlier. So um, we've we've just. If we have everyone come to church that we've been ministering to, we, we'll need a bigger boat. <laughs> we'll need a bigger boat. And, but we do minister p- to people daily throughout the community for all kinds of needs from our unsheltered friends and neighbors to, to those, like you said, who are struggling with their utility bills and feeding their families and, and working and you know buying the kids clothes. And we work with schools here in the community as well. In fact, we're getting ready to start a, a kids club in one of the schools, it's about not three quarters of a mile away from us here. The lowest scores in the district, and probably pretty much some of the lowest scores anywhere in the schools, and absenteeisms and and te- the test scores. And it's just it's a school that has no PTA, no involvement with these children, and we are going to bring bring that into the community as well. So,
2: you know, that, that's that got to require not only a degree of sensitivity, meaning an awareness of what's going on in the community around you, where the felt needs are, where the pain is, but also yes. willingness to get out there and, and take some risk because some people say, well, you know what if it doesn't work you know what if what if we attempt to do this and it turns out to be a total failure and and I would suspect Jesus's answer would be well, if it doesn't work in this town, shake your the dust off your shoes and move on to the next one, but keep moving, keep doing and it seems like the real key here is engagement you you talked about doing of the word a moment ago and some uninitiated might say, "Oh well, he misspoke. He ma- you don't do the word; you read the word. You read God's word, and and certainly that's true. But that's what right. you do with the ha- reading of the word afterwards—that moves from the reading to the doing. And and and, and maybe you can comment on that, Pastor Wilhite, because there's a there's a growing number of Christians that seem to kind of get stuck. If you can get right. them to read the word in the first place, the reading is one thing; the application is another. And almost as right. if there's a sense that, well, I'll read about it, but when it says to go out in the highways and byways, well, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean me. I mean, I, I, I don't have the, uh, the ability to memorize scripture to go and share my faith. That's just, you know, that, that's what the evangelist does. Uh, but I'm, I'm here to support them all the way. Speak to that if you would.
3: Well, part of, part of the, well, we don't indoctrinate people into the church. We really allow them to come in and we focus on their gifting and if they're really interested. But, but as far as being doers of the word, James tells us, you know, don't simply be hearers, but be doers of the word. And, and these are the key things. So we go through scripture and we find out, okay, what is God saying to do? And, you know, of course, everybody goes to Matthew 28, you know, go and make disciples. Well, how do we do that? So so we, we do have a lot of people that are that are trying to find a way into the church, and we're having to overcome a lot of obstacles because of hurts, previous hurts, and and presuppositions about the church. But we 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 encourage to all make disciples, but to be a doer of the word is to go out, and it's not all works based. You have to have an you know great deal of faith and trusting in God when you're going out and to do. What he wants us to do for the day, we pray every single day, God. Whatever you have us to do today, I don't consider anything an inter- interruption um, or an imposition to have somebody you know, burst in the door and having a need. Um, and uh, like James one twenty seven is is our one, our key verse here, and that's pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God is this to to um, take care of the widows and orphans and their distress and to keep yourself unstained by the world and. So we we walk in that light and and we just try to just spread that joy. And a lot of people do have, as you mentioned, they do struggle with coming into a church situation because there's so much bad. Um, there's so many bad things being spoken about the church when in, in actuality of the people that you, you should see the great joy and the accomplishment, the fulfillment that people get. Um, I've got drug addicts out there that were, were formerly drug addicts. And one guy is an alcoholic. He was on the streets for 40 years just seeking God. We had a warming shelter and he came and received Christ. Uh, there's a, a former gang member. He's from the South side of Chicago who he was in front of the church on a distribution day. He was attacked and stabbed 37 times and left to bleed and die in the street. Well, he was in intensive care and this guy came came to the church one Sunday after church and jumped in my truck window and crying, I need Jesus, you know? So, so we, we don't, I, I didn't say, well, no, we're off to lunch. You'll come talk to me tomorrow. I I let him jump in my truck window and I prayed with him right there and embraced this guy. And, and he has been serving here as well ever since. He's been serving the Lord and finds great peace and, and coming to the campus and, and being around the people of God. And it's something so new to him. And, I could just <clears throat> there's story after story after story about people who have been influenced by going out, coming and just being a part of doing something for the kingdom. And uh, some don't like, I think you mentioned some don't even realize they're doing something for the kingdom, but they want to come and serve. And pretty soon they hear people talking about God and they're talking about Jesus. And, and before you know it, we're praying over them and praying for them and, and they're, we see, see their lives transforming. So it's, um, Spiritual aspect of this whole thing is just—it's just enormous. Well, and, and you, I know and that's you, why. I got,
2: so, and you use the word, and I think it's an important one: transformation. And really, at the end of the day, that's what Scripture is all about. That's what an encounter with Jesus Christ is all about—to—to um, to recognize our our separation from God, to recognize this wonderful gift that he has provided in his son Jesus that we just celebrated here over the Christmas holidays, the gift of Christ and and the ultimate sacrifice that he gave on the cross, that in him and through him we might be reconciled unto the Father, be forgiven, walk in fellowship with the very creator of the universe, and to experience a transformed life. And, you know, I, I think that it, it, it probably is true. I don't know that I can quote Um, passage of scripture, but undoubtedly it's true that that transformed lives transform lives. Meaning that if you've had that encounter, if you know that you know that you know, if you've had that experience, you, you know that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, everything has become new. There is that deep sense of excitement in your own life having experienced an encounter with a living God, then I, I think this is something where, you know, people oftentimes say, Well, I don't I I just don't want to impose my beliefs on others, or, you know, my faith is a very private thing. I don't like to talk about it. I, I would be inclined to say that's probably indicative of somebody who is number one, terribly spiritually or, or scripturally rather ignorant, and secondarily, may or may not have experienced genuine transformation in Christ, because in my mind, if you have genuinely experienced that transformation, then engaging with others, sharing your faith, meeting felt needs, being out there in the highways and byways, as we spoke of earlier, is not something that you feel you're forced to do. It's something that you feel compelled to do. It's in your. It's practically in your DNA to, to shout it from the housetops. And so I, I think the preaching of the gospel and demonstrating what transformed lives as a result of the gospel look like um, has, has got to be not only clearly the key to what God is doing at Refuge Church of Concord, but I think to the, to the sort of macro viewpoint, it really comes down to, I think, what the church globally overall needs right now to, to revisit who we are and where we sit. Not only in terms of our relationship with God, but most importantly then, with this great gift that we have, what are we doing with it? Are we hiding our light under the, the basket to not be seen by anyone because we're afraid the wind might come and blow it out? Are we setting up, up tall on top of the candle stand for all to
3: see? Being the light, yes. Letting our light so shine.
2: We're talking today with Pastor Steve Wilhite. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor at Refuge Church in Concord. As you look forward, Pastor Steve, what what's what's your hope? What's your vision for the future of this ministry in Concord?
3: Well, our, our hope and vision for the future is to see a community thrive for Christ. That's the broad vision, and that is through spiritual and economic development. We we have people who live on twelve, fourteen thousand dollars a year in this community. That's a medium median income. But our, our focus is to plant other churches. We have a number of of iranian afghani and algerian uh communities growing and and they're they're kind of isolated and having them come here and to be able to mingle with other people in line and talk to other people and find out hey we all have needs and and we're all here to support each other we're hoping to plant a couple of other churches my my big vision and goal in, in this year in the next two years actually is to start apartment churches it's been done before and it's been done successfully, and we don't have any here, and we have prayed and earmarked five different apartment complexes to have couples go in that have been trained in evangelism and possibly pastor and wife or a young a young pastor for internship, and they move into this apartment complex, and that becomes their church, and so it's their responsibility to grow that, and then and we, we would have larger meetings maybe once a month or so, and and anybody could come to the English or Spanish or whichever uh, number of services we have. We're we, we do need a bigger boat now or we're running out of space. (laughs) Things are growing. And, and um, so that's, that's the, that's the big deal and see our our food pantry program would expand to having more advocacy. We have a number of partners in the community that we work with where anybody from the city to to the County, to other churches, we work with probably about eight other churches we work with here in the community they have caught caught the wave they've caught the vision and they come and serve and help provide financially and and so there's it's we're not a secret we're not about be- the best kept secret in concord so we really like to be out there i spent a lot of time doing that working with city our city our mayor and and city council and people like that in our police department because we have a real bad crime problem here we're trying to alleviate that and it's had an effect like i said we have you know Two for actually two former gang members that are here serving in our pantry today. so so that's our focus is really being out there if we have we're going to plant some more churches in this next year, probably two more whether they're here at this location or not is, is another thing because we're out of space but but um, just to really we're really just focusing heavily on the people we've been serving and just loving on them, trying to meet their needs. Um, in, in larger capacities. I had a, a, an organization call me today say, we want to pay PGE bills and we want to give you more homeless materials so you can continue to re- reach out to the homeless.
2: And I like the idea when you talk about essentially adopting an apartment building and having mm-hmm. a presence there and, and almost effectively, uh, the term I would use is almost creating a house church uh, yes. where, where people of that, that apartment community can find a place to go and not have to go all the way down the street, not have to even leave the building, and to be able to find fellowship there. I mean, you know, you think about it, that was the first century church. There there were no steeples, pews, parking lots, worship orders, Sunday morning bulletins. None of that existed in the first century church. Uh, it, it was all very organic, and, you know, it's a word we often hear in the grocery store these days, but I think there's also practical application from a spiritual standpoint. And it sounds like a big part of your ministry has been just that organic. The, the, the need kind of rears its head and the opportunity to meet that need begins to emerge and people are suddenly saying, okay, what can I do to help? And to see that just kind of come together naturally and the sort of impact that it's allowed you to have right there in the community. So that instead of writing the final epitaph on a church as the congregation grows older, people move away, and, and interest seems to wane, here you are talking about not just the next chapter, but how the church that was struggling maybe years ago is suddenly now with a sense of empowered envision. Looking forward to how can we start daughter churches for folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Pastor Steve, and they've been intrigued by our conversation today. Uh, just give us a quick snapshot again, kind of rundown where you meet, service times, locations, and what folks will find at Refuge Church.
3: Okay, we meet at eleven eighty seven Meadow Lane in Concord. Here, it's called the Monument Corridor and our meeting times are 9:30 for discovery groups 10:30 we start our church services um, we do have online streaming so if you want to check it out and kick the tire so to speak you can do that through our, our um, refuge what is that our refuge facebook it's live stream and then we can just i would say you what you can expect when you walk in the door welcome we don't have people that come uh, on purpose to to welcome you or anything. We do have people planted at the door, but you're going to be loved by everybody, and that is what really encourage you to do, is just just love on people, loved on. You can expect to have a good good time with in worship, and um, hear a message that is relevant to today, and I, I and you would expect not to have to feel. You would feel comfortable being here, but not to uh, come and plant yourself in a comfort zone uh, because we're a church that is, is about action. And you kept, you've kept you mentioned it a couple of times, you know, like the first century church. I, I took church his, history. My They said, what do you want to get out of the class? I said, I, I want to know where it all went wrong. Where do we get away from, you know, doing what God has commanded us to do to helping the needy and the poor and being out there and, and going and minister." ministering to people in our community in the world and where we went wrong is we stopped being that first century church we stopped serving in such a way as to give of ourselves everything that god calls us to give so that's that's what people can expect to see that kind of an attitude and and uh, to be embraced and uh, we don't do a lot of physical embracing because of the covid thing but some people say i'll, I'll hug you anyway <laughs> if they want it, but um, it's 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 prayerfully a place where you would come to if you're if you have a need as as far as you're going through struggles in your life, you're going to be prayed for. If you you are uh, losing hope, we want to want you to know that we can help you to regain your hope and your faith. People go through a, are going through crisis of faith in during these times. And we just hope to be that place. But we also encourage people from outside of this community to, to come, and we, we do need good leadership, um, good, strong leadership, and um, to help to develop other leaders and um, help our interns as they come through. There's so much happening. There's so much to expect that you could you could encounter here on a Sunday or a Wednesday night or, or a Tuesday you never know you never know what's gonna happen and it's always always a blessing. So that's what I would encourage people to come and come and see that for themselves and to experience what God is doing here.
2: Refuge Church, formerly Park Haven Community Church of Concord, a place to well, quite frankly, a place to grow and a place to serve. Again, meeting Sunday mornings for Discovery Workshops at nine thirty, worship at ten thirty AM, Wednesday evening, six PM, dinner with the neighbors followed by Bible study at 7 p.m., all happening at 1187 Meadow Lane in Concord. Details on the web at refugecares.com. That's refugecares.com, or you can call the church directly at area code 925-671-0702. That's 925-671-0702. And our thanks to Senior Pastor Steve Wilhite for being with us. Pastor Steve, thanks so much for the time today.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
4: God has a lot planned for us this year, and it's going to take all of us to accomplish the work that He has set before us.
0: Amen? Amen.
4: So as we begin, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony He's speaking to His who he calls his son Timothy. This is Paul writing this letter to Timothy, and he's speaking to Timothy, and he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me, he says, in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. And I don't know if I read the right verse. Mm-hmm. Sorry, And the truth of the matter is that God has not given us—I think that's first. God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. Fear. But of power and of love love. and of a sound mind. mind. So we are here. I gave you the wrong, wrong, quoting the wrong verse. But that's the verse I wanted to quote. But we see that this perfect love. In, in 1 John, this perfect love casts out fear. This love that God has given us is His perfect love. It is unadulterated. It is just there's nothing more pure than the love of God that He has shown to us. Amen? Amen. And this, and this is telling us that if you are fearful... You are not perfected in His love. Because perfect love casts out fear. See? I have heard complaints from some. Remember, I'm going to preach this like I don't have tomorrow. But I have heard complaints from some that God doesn't give me what I need. He doesn't give it to me when I ask for it. But what someone like this is really saying is that God doesn't give me what I want. I'm sorry, but you've got it all wrong. God does not owe us anything. Amen. Mm. You aren't entitled to receive anything. And you have or haven't realized, you realize yet that God has given everything to you already. If we have a God who goes before us, if we have a God who has laid out a plan for our life since before the, since the beginning of time, before you were even conceived, conceived in your mother's womb, we have a God who has already given you everything that you need. He has already prepared the way and prepared the plan and the path. All we got to do is get on it. Amen. Amen. He gave up His Son for you and I. He gave us Jesus, his son. Jesus gave his life for you and I. Amen. You need to stop holding out your hand and start handing out what God has given you. He paid for everything that you have. Everything. Amen. There is nothing that you have paid for. God has paid for it all. Amen. Everything you have. Comes from Him. Don't believe now for a moment that you are the one who has done it. That's
2: right. That's right.
4: God is performing His Word in your life. he He is performing it. He is carrying out His promises in your life. Scripture does not ask God does not say, ask God and He will give you everything. You. Everything you ask for. You. But it does say, in Psalm 37, 4, to delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. He will give you His desires. Because if your heart belongs to Him, it is His desires that you will begin to have in your heart. Not the carnal desires that we had before we knew Christ as Lord. And if you lack anything, remember this, know this. If you lack anything, as it says in 2 Peter 1, through 1-4 grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and and of Jesus our Lord. And listen to this in verse 3. Seeing that, and this is a repeat from a couple weeks ago, that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious, and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, greed, and covetousness. You have escaped those things because you are new, and you are a new creation, and all things in your life have been made new. And God, is everything's new every morning, including God's mercies. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. So we need to stop Seeking it. Stop seeking the things that of this earth. You get that. We need to stop seeking the things of this earth and start seeking the things that come from above. Amen. Galatians three two says that to set your mind on the things of uh, from above. Now, Paul was dealing with the Colossians and the Colossian heresy, and they had let other things come into their Christianity that were being mixed in, and they weren't of God, and it was causing some problems in the church at Colossae. so this is why he wrote it. It is God's provision, it is God's will, and God's desires to God's glory. Amen? Amen. But my question is, or will you walk away today and go back into your unbelieving life? We used to sing a song around here called Show Me Your Glory. If you think about that song, Show Me Your Glory, Show Me Your Glory, oh God. And you think about those words. Is that something you would really—that you really mean in your heart? When you want God to show you His glory, do you want to see the glory of God? Amen. Do you want to see it? Show me your glory, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. But today, I come to a place in my heart. heart of hearts and I'm asking myself so many about why so many people question God's truth. Why do so many even believers question God's truth? Why are there so many that have a form of godliness but deny His power. We had Dr. Buckner last year, and that became a word around here, and I haven't heard it for months. Power! Power. God's power! The power of His Holy Spirit that drives us, that causes us to take another step and go forward. We learned about how to put on our armor and put on the armor of God and putting it on every morning and every night has been a transformation in mine and my wife Susan's life. A transformation. And I guarantee you that if you continue to do that, your life will transform and others will see it, they will know it by their words, by the way you act, speak and serve the Lord. Amen. 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 Susan couldn't be here with us this morning because she she um, had to extend working but she sends her love to you, um, and yes, we did get up this morning and put on our armor, because we know how important it is, but we've had a lot of transforming types of Bible studies, and we are finishing up, where's Tim and Jill back here, we're finishing up how to give away your faith in the next couple weeks. And it has been an equipping time. We've learned a great deal beyond, I think, what the teaching would have taught because it's gone beyond. A, it, I had two books in that class at seminary, and that was only one of them, but we've gone beyond the semester of learning in that. So we've gone pretty deep, and now we've put, we put a dead stop on it this last Friday because we need to get through that and start other things and start sharing our faith with others. Amen. Amen. But I'm thinking about... The form form of godliness that some have that they deny the power, the very power of God and His Spirit in their lives. How many of us are believers in this room today? How many confess Jesus Christ is Lord? Jesus Jesus
0: Christ is Lord. Have you confessed Him as your Lord? You're full of the
4: power of God is in you. The Holy Spirit power of God is in you. And just stand back and ask God, what do I do next? And watch what He does. Praise God for those hands. Praise God. There's a reality that we have, and it's a good one, that many people have. J.C. Ryle wrote, men question the truth of Christianity because they hate the practices. Men question the truth of Christianity because they hate the practice of it. And I concur with that statement. They hate the practice of it because it calls for sacrifice, not laziness. It calls for self-denial, not self-abasement, is what the Colossian heresy was addressing, part of what it was addressing. And it calls for a generous and a giving heart Not a stingy, miserable attitude. And they hate the practice of Christianity because they have an unbelieving heart. And they are known as unbelieving believers. I want us to go away today with the certainty in our hearts that we are none of that. We are none of those things. That we are believing believers who believe in the very divine power of God that has been instilled in each one of our hearts. That we may proclaim His truth and His word to a dying world. But the question still comes up, why do people always complain that they are always broke and poor? Because they have not fully, the answer is because they have not fully submitted their self to God. they have not submitted the whole being to God. Remember, God has given us everything we need. We lack nothing. Amen. Then why do we have a poor man's mentality when it comes to the things that we need? And I'll tell you why. Because we're not willing to give anything back to God. What we have is God's, but we're unwilling to give anything back to Him. Because we're not willing to give anything back, and we are unwilling to be thankful for what we have by offering a debt of gratitude to the one who took us out of the miry clay the one who took us out of the pits of hell and saved us the one who gives truly to everyone who believes in him all that they need why do we still struggle And I am not going to apologize for these words. I'm not going to. And it's real quiet in here right now. But remember today I told you I'm preaching to you like it's the day I'm going to die. Like I've got nothing to lose and I should preach like that every single Sunday.
1: Amen. My message
4: to the church that if you don't step into your salvation, the gift of God that has been given to you, if you don't step into the forgiveness that has been shown you, if you don't step into the role, your role in the church body, if you don't step into your role in your family, then you're wasting God's time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting my time and everyone else's time if you come just to warm a seat mm-hmm. enough is enough Amen. 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 Good job. God wants his children us, every one of us, we raised our hand God wants his children to pour themselves out like Jesus poured himself out That's the fear factor that comes upon people's hearts when you say, make a statement like that. Because that may mean that you will suffer for pouring yourself out like Christ did. He died on a cross. I doubt very much that any one of us will be hung on a cross and every drop of our blood shed for someone that we're trying to share Christ with. But I guarantee you, if you're really getting out there and putting yourself out there, there's a possibility that you will face persecution. Mm-hmm. Someone may attack you. Mm-hmm. But perfect love, remember? Perfect love casts out fears. Yes, man. And, and if, we, if we know God's perfect love in our lives, we will have no fear. And we will go out fearless and we will go to the places that God wants us to do and share the things that God wants to share and share the love of Jesus with a dying world without fear amen amen, amen. so my question is today are you afraid and what are you afraid of If you truly want to go beyond the current reality of where your life is, if we as a church want to go beyond the current reality of where we are as the body of Christ, we need to take a step. Remember Peter. They were in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. And there was a storm and Jesus comes walking in the waves of the storm towards him. And what does Peter say? If it is you, Lord, call me out of the boat that my wife might walk to you. And what did he say to Peter? Come. Yes, Pastor. He said, come. And what does Peter do? He starts walking. He starts walking. He starts walking. And then all of a sudden, the fear factor clicks in. Mm -hmm. And he starts sinking down. There's been many other reasons why they say Peter began to sink. But he took his eyes off Jesus. That's why he began to sink. And what does Jesus do? Because he took his eyes off him for a moment. He reached out his hand. And took his hand and lifted him back up. We need to step out of the boat. We need to step into Christ. We need to step into the realms of the song says. Into the realms of the unknown where Jesus is. We need to step into it. And when Jesus will reach out His hand wherever you are and wherever you're at, whether you're right there this morning and you need the hand of Jesus to step out and to reach out to you, reach out and take His hand now. He's waiting there to lift you up out of the water. If you want to go beyond the mediocrity of the current reality, step out of the boat. Step out of it. Do what Peter did. He trusted the Lord. Amen? amen? And he started walking on water. He was seeking God. Think about this. And that's why I like Yosef so much. And many of you, seeking God with a childlike faith. Amen. Whatever happens, let's do it. Let's go, you know. <laughs> Whatever happens. <laughs> Think about it. As a child, where you climb a tree, Anybody, any tree climbers in here? Mm, I was a kid. Man, we used to climb some I big old oak trees up in Benoah yeah, I mean, and get my to my see mind. Iowa city yeah. and, and the skylines and we built forts up there. I wouldn't dare do that today. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you would actually go climb those childhood trees today? Good <laughs> <very much. laughs> Couldn't it's do much. it. I get because we had no fear. But as children of God, we should walk without fear. And I'm not saying you will climb those trees. I'm not saying anybody coming back with broken bones or, or like climbing a mountain. Climbing a mountaintop to its highest peak. Now, I can only say that I've climbed Mount Diablo. That's not. Oh no, I mean, I climbed to Yosemite and we got to uh, the highest peak up in Yosemite and you can see forever. It's like, oh, we can see what God sees. You can see Forever. And you stand on that those peaks, and you yes. wonder. Remember our remember our hike, Wolf. <laughs> he remembers very well. Um, but you stand on those peaks. But would you go up there and do it again, y'all? You have already. Right? Have you been back up there? <laughs> <laughs> wolf almost had an accident. Yeah. <laughs> we were hiking. It. One little false move, and it was like, and almost went over a cliff. <laughs> His legs were hanging over the edge of it, but. Hey, we got back up and finished the trip. We could have called the yeah. helicopters and hey, we need to ride down. But no fear, no fear. Think about the wonder and awe when you're climbing that tree or on top of a mountain or something really exciting and big that you did like that. I remember Cristobal when we were in when we were in um, Mexico that year. He ran me up the side of one of those mountains over there. I thought I was going to die, but we got it. It was so beautiful. And it was so peaceful. And he says, we probably shouldn't have come through that neighborhood. We need to watch our back when we come back down. <laughs> I remember those days. The Lord was with us. But I'm certain that this is what happens each and every time that we are challenged with something from God. When God challenges us, that fear factor comes up. It doesn't happen to all of us, but it happens. But church, we are not called to be spiritual wimps. We are not called to be spiritual wimps. We are called to be warriors for Christ. We are called to be fighters and faithful to the cause of the gospel. Amen. Jeremiah wrote what what God spoke to him when he said, You will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Let us us seek God with all of our heart and seek the desires of God. And then God will begin to give us those desires of our heart. And we'll begin to see transformation and things that God that we never thought possible, that God will do, that He'll use us to do. It's powerful. Jeremiah 29.13 Jeremiah twenty nine thirty. I think I already said it, but let's read You will seek me and find me when you search me with all, search for me with all of your heart. You see, a lot of times what we do is we will compartmentalize God. In other words, we'll put God in a box. And we'll only expect what God's going to do inside that little box. we we'll only expect that that's all that God can do. God is beyond, well, we have a God who is beyond time and space and material. We have a God who is able to do all things, for nothing will be impossible for God. Amen. And if you're a child of God and a servant of God here this morning... Anything that He challenges you to do Anything that He, any challenge He sets before you, you will do it without fear. Because God has brought you to this place, this time in your life, that He is wanting to use you to do amazing things, miraculous things. My question to you this morning is what would it be like if each and every one of us had this kind of attitude about our faith? What would happen in this church? What would happen in this community? What would happen in our families? What would happen in our jobs if each and every one of us had this kind of faith? What would happen if each one of us were living today like it was our last day? Like today we were going to take our last breath at some point, what would you go out and do today? Love God. Love God. Love others. Amen. Through God. How would you give yourself away? How would you give away the talent that God is giving you? Think about that. How would you give your energy how would you give your finances? Well, if I'm not living anymore today, I'm gonna to give it all away, but I can't take it with me. Yeah. How would you give your time for planting seed and harvesting for God's kingdom if you had 24 hours to do it? Would that just would you just light on fire? Because I'm telling you what, it's like we have to sit in here and act like, I gotta die? I gotta think about dying? What happens? Everyone raised their hand. Really, believers, right? What's going to happen when you die? Somebody. Next Go to heaven. Amen. Lord. We're going to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to sit and dine at the table of our Lord. We're going to sit there and yeah. turn on the And we're going to see all the things and all the questions that we ever had about God's Word and about His kingdom. We're going to see all that open up. Oh man, I'm ready.
0: Amen. Amen.
4: I'm ready. Are you ready?
0: Yes. Yes.
4: We need to begin to plant and to harvest. I've shared this dream with you before, and I'm going to share it again because I keep having it. I have this recurring dream. And I keep having, and I, I've been having it for years now, and I think I started sharing this five years ago, that I'm desperately calling out to people, and I'm saying, come on, come on, come on, we've got to go, we've got to go. Jesus is coming. And I'm sitting here directing them to where to go. Come on, come on, he's coming, he's coming. I don't want to direct anybody to, other than to his kingdom. But I keep having this dream. There's a problem with this dream and God hasn't given me an end to it because it, I believe it hasn't happened yet. Uh-oh. One person, one person cannot direct multitudes other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Cannot direct multitudes of people and introduce them to Jesus Christ on his own. That's right. Amen. It takes a body. It takes the church. It takes believers in Jesus Christ to make the dream come true. And when we're panicked and we're fearful because the end has come, you know, multitudes won't be coming to them. But we, look at the people in the room today, look around you. We are in the now of God's time Amen. to share this, our love for Jesus and for each other, and for the world outside, and yes, for our enemies, we are here today to, as a disappointed time to go and to do this. It will take each and every one who is called of God to go out and share what Jesus has done for you. Yes. What's Jesus done for you, brother? Create a new being. Yeah, a, new a, new being. a new being. Jeff, what's Jesus done for you? Delivered me from a uh life of drugs and alcohol been uh, sober for 37 years Hallelujah amen, amen. Carlos what's Jesus done for you? He broke the ball of addiction Amen Hallelujah. Hallelujah So we can take this and come together as a body believing that whatever challenge that God gives us that we can walk into it without fear of what's unknown of what's on the other side and we can see what God can do. Amen?
1: Amen. It
4: takes every one of us, every one of us, to march out without fear. The only fear we should have is a reverent fear of God. Of a God who is going to bring judgment upon a world that will die without Christ. And we have been appointed for this day and for this hour to carry this song. Amen. Right now. Right now. So I'm saying to you this morning, step into the waters of the unknown. Yes. Step into what you don't know and share with somebody what he's done for you. And be a part of what God is going to do in our midst this year. Amen. Amen. There is so much. We don't have time to talk about it all, but there is so much. So much. Habakkuk 2.3. Verse two, chapter 2, verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Good job. Amen.
2: Pastor Steve Wilhite, Senior Pastor at Refuge Church of Concord. On the web at refugecares.com where you can call the church directly at area code 925-671-0702.
1: This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm
0: bells.